0: All right, today we're going to talk about, you know, we've been talking about change. Say, I am an agent of change. So we don't want to just wear a title, but we want to make a difference. We don't want just a position, but we need to impact. We don't want to just be respected, but demand transformation. That's our goal for this year. Hallelujah. So we've been talking about time and change. Remember, they are the two most consistent things, time and change. And we all, say we all, live in time and changes occur. Amen? And you can't escape it. No matter how, you can't escape it. Even if you die today, you're still going to be in changes. And time is going to be going on. So it's never gonna stop. We might as well learn how to manage it and make it work to our benefit, amen? Now each of us will be affected by the time and change we live in. I'll get to that in just a moment. Listen, you exist, say I exist, exist. in time and change. change. I gotta get that home to you, why? Because a lot of times we don't really see ourselves where we are. Mm. Example, if you were a fish, say if I was a fish, time is the ocean and change is the current. Now you are living in time, which is the ocean, and change is coming. It's coming right at you, that's called the current. And it, But the current is trying to push you in its direction. but that's, it, it's not trying to accommodate you. It's trying to push you in the direction it's flowing. Now whoever controls and manages time and changes will control our experience in time and change. I want you to see this. Because I'm, I'm I, got, I got a point I'm making this morning. So then whoever plans your time and changes in your life will design your future they are controlling you. You can say what you want to say. Whoever is, they are controlling you if they manipulate your time and they decide where changes occur in your life. Then that means that you become a victim to the one who plans your time and your change. You are a victim to the people that you have given authority to plan your time on earth and what kind of changes you will go through. Because you are not planning your life. Somebody else is. See, the gap always gets filled. That's what we need to know. There is no gaps. Somebody is filling that spot in your life. Something or someone is filling that spot. There are no gaps. Ooh, Jesus. This means others can plan your life. Now, this is serious. I keep saying this, and I'm going to say it all kinds of ways until you really catch it. That means somebody else can plan your life. If you give another person the right to plan how, say how, how, you use your time and the right to decide what kind of changes they want for you, you stop living. You stop living because you're no longer thinking. Somebody else is playing your life out. Mm. We don't want like to th- we don't think like that, because, but it really is. And, and they got you on a schedule. <laughs> so I have a question for you this morning. Who will design your future? Will it be you or someone else? Who are you allowing to design your life? You said, ain't nobody designing my life but me. Okay, let me see your schedule. If you got one, if you don't have a schedule, most time that means somebody else is orchestrating your life. You said, what? <laughs> okay, you might wanna write down what I'm about, about to say let me know when you're ready. Say, I'm ready, Pastor. Because this has been part of the church's problem. You really need to stay tuned as, as Pastor DJ began to talk about the, uh, uh, the culture of the church. Because this has been a big problem with the church right here. Avoiding confrontation with the powers that design and plan our time and changes is to surrender to another person's values, their morals, and their standards. I'll say it again, because I know I got some writers. Avoiding confrontation or engaging with the powers that design and plan our time and changes is to surrender to another person's values, their morals, and their standards. Hmm. Now this is very, very serious. It's not only happening to individuals, But it's happening all around the world. We are compromising our values to get along, even in the body of Christ. We're compromising the standards of the word word to get along. And it doesn't work for you, the believer. Mm. It's kinda like our government officials or our leaders are having meetings that we know nothing about To make decisions supposedly on our behalf, but those decisions they make are diametrically opposing to our values, our beliefs as a Christian. You didn't know they were having a meeting. And they made a law that affects your values as a Christian. What do you do? Do you let their value become your value? Or do you hold fast to the word? Because they're going to plan your life. Ooh. Because we have not engaged them, they think that when you vote for them, it was a surrender or giving up of your brain. They thought that you wanted them to think for you. <laughs> this is why they get angry when you start to thinking. <laughs> you get called all kinds of names when you start to think for yourself. You weren't supposed to know how to plan your life. They already have a goal for you. Now we must bear some of the blame ourselves. Why? Because we the church have been so passive, that word passive, you don't know what it means, I'm gonna explain it. It means we have allowed or accepted what others do or what happens without any active resistance. We have been spiritually, religiously stupid. Mm. Somehow, we have this weird, twisted idea that we can put an unrighteous man with low values into power and demand righteousness from him. And most of the church people voted that way. I talked to some unbelievers that had more morals and values than some of the Christians that I've talked to in the recent year. This is insane. I can remember back in the eighties when Dr. Pat Robinson, who is a Christian, ran for president. I was working in his uh, facility at that time. And do you know that the strangest thing happened? It wasn't the sinners that he had a problem with. It was the Bible-toting church-going Christians that opposed him. What did they say to him? They told him, stay in your lane. Preach the gospel. Stay away from politics. You see, but we, we won't right in our country, but we vote wrong. See, something gotta change, and if you don't change it, it's not gonna get better. I supported Dr. Robinson, and I was verily disappointed when he didn't continue in the race. He backed out because there was so much opposition again from the church. I was right in it, so I know it was happening. He was so opposed by the church. He says, It's unbelievable. There's so many, but you. You would think they want a Christian man to govern. But we've been so comfortable with the sinner running our lives. Oh, man. Look at Proverbs 29 2. We've been so comfortable. With somebody else dictating how we live, what we eat, where, where we go, how we spend our money, that we don't understand freedom that's been given to us. Huh. When the righteous, Proverbs 29, 2 says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Now, why y'all mourning? Y'all voted. That's your president. You should be happy that the prices are high. You can't eat. Your children can't get no shoes. You can't hardly go to work. Your car don't have no gas. You should be thoroughly happy because you voted. You shouldn't have one mumbling complaint in your mouth because you voted that way. And I'm not going to shut my mouth, and I'm, this is not a political message. If it sounds like that, so be it. It's time for the church to grow up. But when will we stop allowing the unrighteous decide how we will live? The Bible told us the answer right here. When the righteous are in authority. Now somebody said, well, President Trump won't say you don't know that. But even if he was not saved, at least you could eat. You didn't have to uh, decide between gas and food. I mean, he had some morals and some values about him. <laughs> and well, you know what? The thing about it, when you try to warn people in advance that this is what we're seeing today was coming. Most Christians wouldn't believe it. But here we are today. (laughs) And the the strangest thing is still happening. Most Christians will vote again and again for people who are not even close to their values, supposedly. Not just one time, they do it again. Somehow you believe that these unrighteous people will keep your values intact for the duration of their term. And they never do. They, they hurt you, you vote for them, they hurt you, then you come. It's like you're bleeding, and then you come back, they, they throw a little stuff over there at you to keep you from hollering. And then you come back, they throw a little social program at you, and you, they stop you from hollering for the moment. Woo, Jesus. Why? could most Christians want to avoid confrontation. That's been the problem with the body of Christ. We don't want to make no, rougher no feathers. Hmm. All right, let's see if you can handle this. The useless church. Can you handle that? Our government deems you useless. Oh, you may not like it, but that's the way they think about you. See, they deem you and I as believers meeting together as useless and non-essential. Why you think they attack and close the church, but we're in close a bar? Because you were deemed useless. And I'm going to tell you why they think you're useless. Please note, that far too many believers conform to their values and conform so much that two years later, after the lockdown, people still not going to church. We're not in a pandemic anymore, but people still not going to church. Something gotta change. Woo, Jesus. The number one, said the number one. Defect of the church is a lack of planning correctly. When the church does not plan correctly, then it's planning incorrectly and the world always gains the hold or gains the upper hand because it's not planning according to the will of God. Now the folly or the lack of good sense and judgment of the church is planning for heaven and not earth. Yeah, I'm coming where you live today. You may not shout, but you'll thank me next week if you let this word sink in. The church is so preoccupied with planning for heaven that we don't plan for the earth or the world. People get born again, and all they're ready to do is go to heaven. They don't do nothing in between. But our problem is the church lives on the earth and not in heaven. It would be one thing if you got born again and went straight to heaven. Not, you're still on the earth. The church has an escapism theology. It's a theology that trains its followers to leave earth rather than change earth. Now, we were commanded in Genesis 1 and I know you know it, but let's look at it just for the sake of those who may not know what it reads. Genesis 1 and God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth. And over every creepy thing that creepeth upon the earth. So our assignment was clear here. We have dominion over the earth. God never changed that assignment. We are empowered to create change. But the church has adopted this I'll fly away mentality. It's to stay away from that mentality. Avoid them. Don't get involved mentality that has basically developed a useless church in the earth. All we do is go to services. Mm. Do you remember this saying? You are so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. Well, it's right. So what we see is the church has planned itself out of the world. And we weren't supposed to do that. Therefore, the church resigned or bowed out of their responsibilities and abandoned the world and the earth to the sinner. To the <laughs> and if the sinners has got everything, they're doing what? They're planning your life. They're telling you where you can live, how much money you can earn, where you can stay, where your children go to school, how much you're going to eat, what kind of job you have. They're planning your life. Why are you planning to go to heaven? Hmm. The focus of the so-called church has been isolation and transportation. And transportation is the rapture. We waiting on the rapture. We waiting on the rapture. Look at Hebrews 10. Jesus has a different idea. Look at Hebrews 10, verse 12 and 13. Jesus has a different idea than you and I about this, so we we need to adopt his idea. Okay, I thought I put it in my notes, but I guess I didn't. Hebrews 10, verse 12. Read it out. But this man... After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. See, now already we're ready to sit down, but that's not what he told us to do. They say he sat down. But look at verse 13. From henceforth, expecting, say expecting, to his enemies be made his footstool. Now how that's going to get accomplished? He's waiting on us to take dominion over this earth and subdue and overthrow his enemies. Woo Jesus, are you learning? So we've been, I, the church has been having this focus on this isolation and transplant. I'm just going, I'm waiting on the long, going back. I'm packing up, getting ready to go. You need to unpack that suitcase and stay here and change earth. because I think you can live a little while longer. You know, they should sing a song, and I don't have nothing against the song. Packing, packing, pack it, packing up, getting ready to go. You ain't done nothing. <laughs> Hold on. Don't pack yet. You don't need to carry on right now. Just, just stay so you can finish hearing this. Most believers are so conditioned to live in a world that they don't live in yet. yet ignore the world they are living in. (laughs) Time and change is happening all around you. And you packed up, ready to go to heaven. Mm. Look at John, St. John chapter 17. I think that's where I want to go next. Let's see. Yeah. John chapter 17. Let's begin reading at verse 11. I tell you, Jesus had a different idea. Now, this is Jesus praying. He says, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I came to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, where was Jesus? In the world. Did he impact the world when he was here? Absolutely. I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world. He he said, I'm in the world, that they might have joy, have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world. He says that you are not of the world, but you're in the world. You're not supposed to be part of the world, but you're in it. I pray not that thou shouldest take them, what? Say that, somebody, to me. He says, I'm praying that that you take them not out of the world. So why are you trying to escape? Jesus prayed for you to stay. (laughs) He says, I pray that thou shouldest not take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. He says, but the world got to see the light. How are they going to see it? Everybody ready to go to heaven. Oh, Jesus. Do you see the problem we've had with the church not being taught correctly and not learning the kingdom? Now, this leads me to my next point. The church created and designed its own irrelevancy. You made your own self irrelevant. Because the church presented a message of, a, of escapism to the world. And it made itself irrelevant. Okay, if I was a sinner and you and you live in my community and you say to me, well, I don't care what you do because I'm on my way to heaven. So it's not going to bother me. What you just say to a, a thug or, or, or the mafia that's in your neighborhood. What do you just say to them? Have at it. Now, the world says, oh, goody, you just want to go to heaven. That means we can run the world and the earth like we want to, which they have been doing. If I'm making you angry, praise the Lord, because I'm trying to dig out of you any weird thinking that makes you just sit around and wait for the rapture. You can't find that in the Bible then the world does something that seems really extreme. And now the church wants to say something. But this, this infuriates the world. Why? The world is angry when the church tries to get involved in their business. Because we turned it over to them. And then you get, <laughs> well, I know I'm helping somebody. Because the church said that the world was not their business. So the world is saying, it loud and clear, stay out of our business. You don't run the earth. We do. Where are we going to flip that? Because Jesus is not coming back until it gets flipped. So unless you're ready to flip it, you're going to stay right here with the rest of us. <laughs> the script must be flipped where the church becomes the head and not the tail. But here's the issue. Their business is affecting our business because the church lives on earth and not in heaven. So what they're doing with the earth and the world is affecting our lives. Are you listening yet? Okay, are you still paying attention? Watch this. Every organization or entity has a plan for the world and the earth but the church. Mm. Their plan is to affect, influence, and control the changes in our society. I recently heard a minister speak, you know, say that he, he was talking about where he had sat in a meeting with a member of the Rainbow Coalition. Now, this meeting was held some some years ago, but he was talking about it. And he said that they were not, he said that the, the, he was talking to the, the leader, Of the Rainbow Coalition and they said that they were not worried about the church they further stated that they didn't know he said the church didn't know what was going on or they wouldn't believe it until it was too late what we got in our society today where was the church when it took prayer out of school and we allowed this trash we got going on in school today. Where was the church? Are, are you still being silent? Because you're afraid of confrontation? You're afraid of getting fired? hmm The leader of the Rainbow Coalition said they had a plan for the next 50 years as to how they would take over the culture of America. And here we are today. They've taken over the culture of America. All the while, the church is planning its escape. We're going to leave earth. What am I saying to you today? If you don't plan your life based on the written word, then the sinners will. Because you're in the earth. You're in the world. You're not supposed to be of it, but you're in the world. And somebody is filling in the gap of time and change. You may not like it, but that's where it's at. Listen, we ought to be the standard to the world and not become just like them. Mm. So planning is setting the agenda of the future. Every group in society has an agenda to change the world in their favor. So if the church, if the church joins in the sinner's agenda, the world has no hope. Because according to the scripture, we are the, look at Amos 3. We are the light of the world. Amos 3, verse 3. Amos says, can two walk together except they be agreed? How, how can you how can light and dark walk, walk together? Now turn to 2 Corinthians 6, because it's going gonna, gonna to bear that out. What happened? Somebody left. Oh. That means, that means you're good. Go ahead. That's all right. You're good. 2 Corinthians, okay. Chapter 6, verse 14. I'm teaching you how to be quick. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with who? unbelievers for what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion have light with darkness and what concord have Christ with Belial or what part hath he that believed with an infidel and what agreement have the temple of God with idols for ye are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people wherefore come out from among them And being separate, you're supposed to be different. You're living in the world, but you're not supposed to be like the world. Listen, we've changed, the world has changed everything about the church culture. From a dress code to the way we talk, everything. I know it. He says, he says, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And he said, I'll be a father unto you. But he says, you got to come out from amongst You can't be like the world and expect God's best. You can't do it. You cannot do it. See, we're not planning correctly. We are supposed to be the hope and the light for the world. Now, according to Genesis one we've already read that, we, the church, was authorized to dominate, said dominate, dominate, the world and the earth. I'm saying the world and the earth because I'm going to clarify that for you because we interchangeably use those words and they're not the same. The church has become an object of scorn and ridicule, ridicule, a joke to the world. Why? Look at your neighbor and say, but we are changing the way the enemy sees us. Because we're not playing that in this church, see? Mm-mm. The world only needs a church when it's time for an election. You need to understand this one. They use a church as a social pawn to give credibility to their secular social agenda. They don't need you no other time. And y'all cheesing all across the camera. Because they came and stood in your pulpit. And said absolutely nothing but a book of lies. Quoted one scripture that they remembered that has nothing to do with you living right, and you want to call them. Oh, ever yeah, you see? He taught that word. You see what he said? You could have read that for yourself, dummy. It's time for us to stop being the pawn of the world. See, they can do that because they don't think you are worth it. They only need you when they want you to use, to use you. They don't have no need for you that way. But it's the way we think. We're not changing our mindset about things. So they only want you when it's fit their agenda. And it's just too many of us to ignore us in the earth. That's why they had to deal with us on occasions. Yeah. Write this down. The agenda of the world is to make God irrelevant. You need to know that. That's their goal. Is to make God irrelevant in the earth or in the world. Okay, let me explain to you why I say the secular world hates Jesus. Because they hate Jesus. If they hate Jesus, they're going to hate who? Okay, you need to understand that. First of all, no other religion, religious leader requires that you follow them. Not Buddha, not any of them. They don't require that you follow them. They all say, go that way. Go down that path and you might see light. They don't require you to follow them. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. Where Jesus said, come unto me and follow me in other words come and be like me because in all the other religions you can be whatever you want to be do it your way because there is no set direction where jesus said come and follow me now the world hates that They want to be able to live like free willy and still go wherever they think is heaven. Jesus says, follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. So Jesus' demands are so personal that he requires that you change. The world gets upset and calls this being dogmatic. Why? Because Jesus' values, his morals and standards are too narrow and too straight. Ooh, Jesus. So the world's goal is to get Jesus out of everything. To make Jesus not necessary, or to make him not essential, so they can do what they feel like doing without a reminder. You are a reminder. This is why we are under attack. You are a reminder of Jesus. Woo, you better to change the way you see yourself. Therefore, they say to the church, stay in your corner. Mind your own business. Don't interfere with how we run the world and the earth. Because we're coming after you if you do. However, their business is creating the culture for our business. So there can be no staying out of their business. It's all of our business. (laughs) You can't stay out of their business. It's all of our business. If we are going to bring change, now it's going to be a process. And remember that the key to success in the process is initiation. Say initiate. I'm getting ready to close because I I know know y'all can't handle too much more. But before I close, listen, Jesus has an agenda too. Turn to John 3.16. Jesus has an agenda. <laughs> John three sixteen. See, I gave y'all time to find it. <laughs> you ought to be able to flip that one. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God, look at verse 17. For God sent not his son into the what? Into the world, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, it sounds like it's talking about people, right, when they say world, but it's not. Hmm. World is mentioned here and not Earth. Jesus didn't come to save the planet Earth. He came to save the world. You got to hear me now. The Greek word for Earth is tiara. It means dirt, the physical planet. The Greek word for world is cosmos, K-O-S-M-O-S. It means governing systems. Systems of impact and influence. Cosmos is used in John 3, 16. And we've always made that related to people. Therefore, God so loved the systems that he sent Jesus, and that through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the systems might be saved. Why is that so important? I'll tell you in a minute. Jesus didn't come to condemn the system, it was already condemned. Jesus came to deliver it. Write down this list, because this is, I'm going to give you at least eight systems. Jesus came to save. The system of government, the banking system, insurance system, medical system, dental system, legal system, educational system, entertainment system. Jesus came to save these systems. Why? Because all these systems determines what happens in the earth and they impact your life as a believer. This is why we must make the change. We got to change and grow up because the system is filling in the gap with their culture. So in order to bring salvation to these systems, we the church must go into them, go into the systems, be the light and demand change. According to Mark 16, 15, you want to turn there real quick. Look at Mark 16, verse 15, and we get ready to close because I believe you, you've had your limit. Mark 16, 15. And it reads, and this is Jesus saying unto them, go you into all the world. Go into all the systems. Get into the marketplace. Stop sitting on your behind waiting to get me raptured out of here. Get into the world. Get into the systems and make a difference. Change the culture of this world you be the light. He says, go into the world and preach the gospel in the system on your job. Preach the gospel. That's how they're going to hear it. Some people may never come to a church building if you don't go into the system and win them. That's our responsibility. We should impact the educational system. We should vote for people that are saved and want to go into politics. You should pray for them and not lift them up because they carry our values and our morals and our standards. Instead of shooting them in the hill and saying, well, he need to stay in the poor bed. He need to stay in church. See, you're, you're, oh, I can't say what I feel like. But. But is ignorance going to bliss. And we'd rather have a sinner in government than a Christian. It's strange. It's stupid. And then be proud of it. Gloat about you voted for a dummy. and then when you get the the backlash of his super intelligence you don't know how to humble yourself and say i was wrong You keep moving as though you, see, this, this, is what, this is why the church lose so much ground. By the time we discover what's going on, they've already instituted stuff that you have no idea, and now you don't even know how to get it out. And then we spend a lot of time and money than if you got into the system yourself and made a difference. See, you got to demand transformation. They're not going to give it to you. This year, this church. We're going to demand transformation in this community, in our personal lives. We're going to see God do something different in us and through us. We're not going to sit in these chairs every week from week to week and do absolutely nothing. I am not spending all this time with the Holy Spirit for you to sit in that chair and go back and do nothing. Waiting on the rapture. You might miss it. Because you're not engaged in what Jesus came to deliver. (laughs) Did you learn anything this morning? Come on, stand to your feet.